What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Buffalo Beat Podcast. This one is a pretty uh, pretty special episode, I would say. It's a crossover podcast with the, the Can't Wait Podcast. We've got Connor Hughes, who covers the New York Jets for The Athletic, joining us this week. And we're kind of going around the division this month and getting a, a feel for, you know, some of these other teams and, and what the Bills are up against. And to me, the, the conversation, you know, that that can, you know, kind of happen when you talk about the Bills and the Jets and their respective rebuilds is always an interesting one. You know, they drafted quarterbacks the same year. They, they've kind of been on a similar trajectory as they rebuild their rosters, but they're um, in two different places, uh, I think, in that in, in the progress. So, Connor, how's it going? It's going well, man. It's going well. I feel like I haven't seen you in, in forever. We, you, we usually go out and do the, the meals at the Senior Bowl, and then we meet up at the Combine and owners meetings and all. But obviously this pandemic's kind of put that on hold. So I'm missing, I'm missing all the, uh, the athletic cohorts out there and, and being able to see everyone again. And, and who knows when we're actually going to be able with the whole traveling for, for these games and all that stuff. It's going to be wild. New New time, certainly, but yeah, man, this is, uh, I, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head that, that you know, Tom Brady and, and the Patriots have had such a stranglehold on this division for certainly as long as I've been on the beat and probably as long as, as either of us have really been alive, I think it, it's kind of been run by, uh, run by Tom Brady and co, but with him out of there, it seems like it's wide open for the first time probably in in 20 years maybe a little maybe a little less than two, 20 years the one year Brady was hurt was the long time it was probably more open like this but it just seems like it's open and it's there for the taking and it's and it's which team's going to be the one that, that grabs a hold of this thing yeah you and I I believe started uh on our respective beats around the same time I was 2014 that was you as well right uh yeah 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 not for uh where, who was I working for at that time I think it was like about.com I was covering the Jets for was uh 2014 so yeah but it's been right around that time and I'll tell you what is aside from maybe one brief glimmer in 2016 uh as far as like preseason hype of maybe the Jets could do it there really has never been any thought of this team ever winning the division it's always been like oh well maybe they can get a wild card spot and then avoid the Patriots as long as possible <laughs> right we both got the rex ryan fake hype of like maybe they'll win maybe they'll win the division because rex ryan keeps saying they're gonna win the division what was that actually like covering him that year because i i got like the year that i covered rex i i feel like i got cheated because there was when rex ryan was was with the jets his first couple years he was full force undeniable rex ryan like you guys got in the uh in, in his press conference where he tapped the mic and goes is this thing on like that's what he was like before i got there when I got there was when John Idzik had also just been hired. So it was like that odd part where Rex was like, everyone used to say like, oh, Rex, is, this isn't real Rex Ryan. He's trying to like not speak. He's trying to be more like in line. And you would ask him questions about players and he would back off. He wasn't as like, you know, brash. But when he got to Buffalo, it always seemed like he was so back to what he was. But there was just no success like there was early there in New York. So what what were those first, just to, before we even get to like the current teams, what were those first couple or first year, year and a half, like covering Rex, because it yeah. seemed like watching from afar, it seemed wild. It was like a really sped up timeline of what you just talked about, like when he, okay. you know, because he was only there for two years, and so when he first got there, it was wild Rex, right? It was you know, you know, tapping the microphone, is this thing on? Because it's about to be on, and yeah. 
signing Richie Incognito, trading for LaShawn McCoy, signing Percy Harvin, just like all the wild stuff that, that, you know, Rex was known for bringing in, you know, all these, you know, interesting personalities and not really thinking about how it would all come together, just kind of being that player's coach. And uh, I think he thought that he would come into Buffalo and because he had, he had dealt with the New York media and been through all that, that he would just come in and own the town. And he was right for about six months, you know, probably a little bit longer than that, you know, into September, I remember they beat the Colts. Um, that was the year everybody thought Andrew Luck and the Colts were going to, you know, be Super Bowl contenders. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he ended up getting hurt. And so they weren't as good as everybody thought they were. But for a while, it was that that hype. You know, he was uh, jumping out of helicopters. He was eating dog biscuits in press conferences. <laughs> he was being, you know, the the big personality that, that everybody loves. But I think it was like it was when they signed IK and Impale that first training camp that uh, I was yeah. like, yeah, this guy's full of shit. Like this yeah. guy's just he he's just winging it, and he's the it almost felt like it over. yeah, like the the it almost felt like the whole time he was like weirdly obsessed with the Jets, like you know, like yes. he would be with a with an ex, like that it ended poorly he was just like constantly doing things to get back at the jets and still really bitter about how it all ended he was actually not fun to cover other than the fact that you knew you would have news all the time he was not a guy that he was more likely to to pull some of the new york reporters aside at the combine or the owners meetings and you know try to level with them and tell them what was going on in Buffalo and how, you know, everything that was going on behind the scenes than he was us. He, he got, you know, weirdly um, combative with us. And towards the end, he was like, he was like a a beaten man uh, in that last season. He just got, uh, and for good reason. I mean, he got, he was not a good coach here. It was a, it was a weird time. People always find it funny when I say I preferred covering Doug Marone to Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan, you know, just because I felt like Doug was a guy that would maybe pull you aside and try to explain what was going on where Rex couldn't be bothered. You know, the the press conference was a performance and when it was done, it was done. And he was texting Manish or whoever uh, to let him know what was going on. And, you know, people in Buffalo didn't really didn't really like it and fans certainly uh saw through it but it took a while because yeah at first it was they beat the colts and people were like this team's this team's winning the division and then yeah the big bad patriots came to town and blew the doors off them and you know the circle of life in the afc east really was like have some hope have some hype and the patriots come and ruin it but I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. You know, do yeah. we do we think? I guess that's probably a good place to start. Is all this offseason hype? Is all this talk of somebody else taking over the division? Do we think it will it will actually happen? Do we think the Patriots' grip has loosened, or, or are they going to do what they always do and and ruin the fun? I, I think the grip is. I think the grip is absolutely loosened. Uh, with that said, I don't. I, I won't not pick the Patriots to win the division until a year comes where the Patriots don't win the division. And, you know, I think that the Josh McDaniels is, is the best, the best offensive coordinator to have Cam Newton, because I think he is one of those guys who 
also wants to kind of prove he's not a product of Tom Brady, you know, because when, when Josh McDaniels went off on his own and he went to, to Denver, he didn't really have too, too much success. And he really didn't become this hot commodity to potentially be another head coach until he went back to New England. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady's roaring again. The offense is roaring again. The Patriots are roaring again. So I think he's motivated. Obviously, Bill Belichick is motivated. That defense in New England is still maybe the best in the division, one of the best in the league. The question, obviously, that I've kind of had with New England the last few years is just I never thought their offense was all that good. I never thought they gave Tom Brady the playmakers that he needed to have top-tier success. You know, he had that one year, two years where they really loaded up the offense and they gave him, you know, he had Gronk and he had Aaron Hernandez and he had Randy Moss and even at Dante Stallworth for a minute there. And then Wes Welker. I mean, they had everyone. And that offense was was the one that set the league on fire and broke all these records. And Brady was unreal breaking records. And, and they nearly had the perfect year till the Giants beat him. They really have never been an offense that had all of those dynamic, game-changing all pros. And I think that's one of the reasons why when Brady hit free agency and was like, hey, I'm going to go play somewhere else. And, and a lot of people were saying like, you know, oh, no way he goes to the Bucks. I, I was like, I don't think he goes to the Bucks either. But if you're looking at the players that he's going to be playing with everywhere, the Bucks is the one that kind of makes a little bit more sense than anyone else. Because if the Bruce Arians is the coach, you got Mike Evans, you got everyone, you got Chris Godwin. And now he's got all those weapons. I think that could be the Patriots' biggest issue is they just might go from a team that everyone kind of assumed was going to drop 30 points a game because Tom Brady's out there to whether it's Stidham, whether it's Cam Newton. They might just be playing that run the ball, eat up the clock, time of possession, uh, beat the team down and play good defense and win games 20 to 17 as opposed to winning games 34 to 17, you know? So I, I think that they're they have to still be the favorite just because you can't just assume because Brady's gone the entire team's gonna be terrible. I was probably I thought their group was incredibly loose when it was or their grip was incredibly loose when it was just Stidham over there under center. I just I I couldn't believe they were gonna go in with Stidham and Hoyer. But with Cam Newton now in the lineup, if that guy's healthy, I think they're they've gotten a little bit of a better chance. I, I don't know if it's like a great chance. I don't know if you know they have a ninety percent chance of winning the division. I'll pick them till they lose, but I think number two is definitely Buffalo, and and Buffalo's gaining steam fast. And you'll probably be able to comment on this more than I would, but it's probably gonna for them just gonna come down very similar to the Jets. Is it's just gonna come down to Josh Allen and how quickly he progresses, and if he becomes a franchise undisputed top tier quarterback, or is he just gonna be a guy that you know will can be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, it's interesting because the thing about the Patriots that's always fascinated me is that you know they've found so many ways to reinvent themselves and mm -hmm. over the years on offense you mentioned you know throwing different pieces into the mix and you know it always seemed like they were finding different ways to win uh, and I guess that happens when you win for as long as they do you don't just do it one way over and over again and Cam Newton presents the possibility of you know giving them a, a completely different look on offense and and allowing them to to reinvent themselves and call different plays than they would with Tom Brady under center. But I, you know, I do think it's, you have to say that, that the grip has loosened. The question is, you know, is it, is it completely, have they completely lost it? And the bills certainly are in a position to take advantage. I would say if you look at the roster, then, you know, their roster is probably, outside of quarterback the best in the division yes 
But yes. the, the the problem is quarterback and head coach, the Patriots still might have the edge. And so, you know, those are two really important spots, the two most important spots. And, you know, it's hard to bet against Bill Belichick, but in an off season like this one, is he going to really be able to break in Cam Newton to the point where Cam Newton's super comfortable in the offense? So it's a it's an interesting year for this division because it's the first time in so long that it's been wide open. I'm probably with you where I'm not I'm not really ready to bet against Bill Belichick. I'm not ready. Yeah. I, I don't really want to bet against Cam Newton either, uh, given the talent that he has. But the Bills seem to be that team that's knocking on the door but yes yeah like like the jets in a lot of ways it comes down to the quarterback and do we think that that josh allen is the quarterback that will you know help the bills become the team that people are chasing in the afc east yeah. i'm not so sure but the other part of the the equation is have they you know built a good enough roster where maybe he doesn't that's, have to yeah. be you know maybe he doesn't have to be a top 10 quarterback for them to win year in and year out. You know, maybe Sam Darnold might be the better prospect or he certainly was the better prospect coming out of college, um, you know, by, by most accounts, but have the bills done enough around Josh Allen to almost eliminate some of that variables? It's uh, they certainly seem like they're in a better place than, than the jets are at the moment. They are. And, and I think that that's the, when when the Bills went out there and they traded for Stephon Diggs, that that this off season the Jets needed a number one wideout. Like they they don't they they kind of the the staff and the organization the the front office had put a price on Robbie Anderson that they did not believe uh, he or they they put a price on him that they believed he was worth. And the way that Joe Douglas clearly is going to run things as the Jets general manager is that when a player gets an offer that exceeds the value that he has put on them he's going to walk away and he's going to say, okay, fine. You can go sign for somewhere else. He's just, he's not going to overpay for players with Joe Douglas as his team's general manager, the day of the jets giving 72 and a half million to Tremaine Johnson or all the money that they did to Le'Veon Bell or 85 million to, to CJ Mosley. Those days are over that that's not how Joe Douglas is going to run things. He's going to stick to his price and if a player gets more in the open market, fine. Someone else can overpay for the player. He's not going to be the one that overpays for him. So that's kind of why he took a stance where he stayed away from Amari Cooper and he didn't get involved in this and he didn't get involved in that. But the one Stephon Diggs kind of went down, a lot of people looked at that and said, okay, this is a guy who's on a team-friendly contract. He's a guy who is a borderline number one receiver, clearly a very good receiver in the NFL. Little diva, but, but I mean, who? what receiver in the NFL that's good is not a diva? Why didn't the Jets go after him? How did he end up in Buffalo? How did he end up in Buffalo? And I remember ta like tweeting and writing stories and basically being like, what you need to realize is that, yes, the Bills and the Jets both started their rebuild, quote-unquote, with young rookie quarterbacks at the same time, with the Jets drafting Sam Darnold and the Bills drafting Josh Allen. However, where the Bills roster is today, be that was they had more from just before they drafted Josh Allen to they've been done a, a much better job than the Jets have or a much better job than XGM Mike McCagney did at acquiring talent to surround your quarterback with it. The Bills are in a very different position than the Jets are. The Bills are a team that is that had the luxury of saying, okay, we can give away some draft pick assets to acquire one player to say, okay, this guy, because we believe 
that having Stefan Diggs on this offense is going to make significantly more of a difference than whatever player we would have drafted with these picks. The Jets roster is so bare bones dry of game changing talent across the board. I mean, from at virtually every position, you can find maybe two or three players that would start on other teams. And the other guys you're looking at saying, you know what, probably maybe they'd start on like half of the other teams. You know, like Jamal Adams, somebody that you can say he would start on just about every other team in the NFL. There aren't too many players like that on the Jets roster. They didn't have the luxury of trading away draft assets to acquire one player because they need all of their draft assets to to build this thing together and to continue to piece it together. I mean, you look at the Bills. The Bills are probably, even though this rebuild started around the same time, they're probably one to two years ahead of where the Jets are. I mean, the Bills have already made the playoffs with Josh Allen. They've already competed to win some playoff games. They've, the Jets are still trying to get to the point where they're competing for the playoffs down the stretch. I mean, the Jets haven't played meaningful football in December since the 2015 season every other year they've kind of already been eliminated and it's just been like okay well we're going to cover football games to see if anyone happens to come out and looks good the Jets just don't they aren't at a roster right now where they can take the gamble like Stefan Diggs does and you know I do believe that when all is said and done having watched a lot of Josh Allen football because he's a quarterback that I liked a lot coming out of college he's a quarterback that I like watching play I absolutely love just love his personality I remember like before before that draft, it was kind of uncertain what quarterback the Jets were going to take because they had traded up to number three, and you thought actually Sam Darnold was going to go number one, but you didn't know who was going to be the second quarterback. Was it going to be Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, or Baker Mayfield? And then obviously Baker ended up going one, and that's what slid Sam Darnold down. But I did like this story where I talked to all the high school coaches of those top quarterbacks of Rosen, uh, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield's high school coach didn't get af- didn't get back to me until after the story ran. I was like, oh, about that story. I was like, dude. I gave you like a month to talk to me. I had to run it. Um, But he, I remember talking to Josh Allen's coach and the stories that he had told me about Josh Allen. I came away. I was like, man, that dude is just, he's it. Like, I was like, that kid's like it. Like there was one he said back. uh, And I think, I think we've talked about this man. And it was when Josh was in, uh, in, in high school, they used to play like this monster ball game. And it was basically like they would go in the weight room. They put like a 20 pound medicine ball in the middle of the the wrestling mat and then you'd have like 10 kids line up on one side and 10 kids line up on another side on their knees with like their arms linked and you had to basically get all the way across the mat wrestle with everyone else get the ball and like take it back to your side for a score across the like get the ball and cross the line uh to score like almost like um it's that game where you, you call like the kid over and you have to run through the line where everyone's holding their arms it reminded me of that just with a medicine ball and the coach goes, uh, you know, the, the kids who always played the game, his high school coach goes, you know, the kids who always played the game are like the kids you'd expect. Like you'd have the offensive lineman, the defensive lineman, the bigger middle linebacker. Like those are the kids that would play. And he goes, he's like, first day we go in there, he goes, Josh's sophomore year, we go to play, uh, we go to play monster ball. And Josh at this point, I think was like 5'8", like 150 pounds. Like he was a tiny kid who hadn't hit his growth spurt yet. So like he said, he goes, Connor, he goes, all the offensive and defensive linemen line up on one side. All the offensive linemen and defensive linemen line up on the other side. He goes, I turn around to start playing, and all of a sudden my offensive coordinator runs over and starts tapping me on the shoulder. He goes, Coach, Coach, you got to stop. You got to stop. I go, what's wrong? He goes, look, in the middle of the first line, like with all of his offensive linemen on one side and the defensive linemen to the left is Josh Allen standing in the middle, like sitting in the middle, this little tiny kid ready to go play monster ball with the big guys. And, like, the offensive coordinator is like, get him out. If we lose Josh, we're done. The season's over. We're going to lose Josh. The season's over. 
And the, uh, okay, the, the head high school coach goes, he goes, nope. He goes, he's staying in there. We just found our quarterback. You know, like stories like that on Josh Allen are like how you just – you like the kid. Like you just yeah. – you can see why teammates love him. And like I, I, I believe that he's going to be a successful quarterback. I just look at the attributes that Sam has. And while he doesn't have the same arm strength that Josh Allen does, he has the ability to make every throw. He has the ability to be incredibly accurate. He has uh, the the he's not as fast as Josh or, or runs as much as Josh or doesn't have like the Lamar Jackson speed, but he can move within the pocket and create plays with his legs. Where I think that there's a chance that Sam Darnold develops into a better quarterback and is you know all of a sudden no he's a more talented player. That doesn't mean that Josh Allen won't be the guy that has the more success of the two because of the fact that he has been surrounded with so much more. He's at a better place early in his career. He's already at the point where this team can trade away draft assets to give him legitimate game change, game play, game changing weapons to Stefan Diggs. And it's going to be fascinating to watch him develop because this is probably the year. I think you can, you can talk more on this. This is the year with Josh where you kind of expect to see it because he's entering year three. He's had two years to develop. He's in, he's in a similar offensive scheme. He's now got weapons around him where now you expect to see him really take that next step and, and you'll be able to figure out end of this year, is he just going to be a good quarterback that you can win with or is he going to be the quarterback that you can you win because he's there? Yeah, I think that's the big question surrounding this team. It's by far the biggest variable to their success is, is how good he can be. But first, a message from our sponsor, Hawthorne. Hawthorne is a company that is changing the way you shop for cologne and other bath-type products. If you're sick of wearing the same old cologne that you've been wearing for years or using the same old body wash or soap or deodorant that you've been using year after year, check out Hawthorne. Hawthorne has a personalized quiz that tailors your answers and matches you up with with a cologne and soap and, and basically any uh, bath product that, that you can imagine, and they all kind of tie together. The quiz is really easy. You go over to hawthorne.co. It's a two-minute quiz that tells you the colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. It's totally risk-free with free shipping, free returns. If you don't like how things smell, uh, if you don't you know like um, how it works for you, you can send it back for free, uh, and they'll match you up with something different. All of the stuff works together, the body wash, the shampoo. Um, I took the quiz, got some of the stuff. It shipped super fast, um, shipped for free, and it smells great. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, an easier way to, to shop for all this stuff than, than going into the store and playing the guessing game with, with various colognes. This way, it's all matched up. Uh, and, and it really all kinds of works, works together for your skin type, for, uh, how often, um, you know, you're, you're washing your hair and various things like that. It, you can set it up on a subscription basis so that you don't even have to think about it. And they have algorithms that, that tell you how often you need this stuff. So, uh, it's really a, a, you know, foolproof way to, to shop for something that, that can get, you know, pretty complicated and, and annoying to shop for. And, you know, smelling good is important. And frankly, Hawthorne smells really good and it's super easy. So you can head over to Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E at the end, .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use the promo code BILLS and you get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use the promo code BILLS to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. 
you know, some of those traits that you talk about, I think kind of raise his floor more than people, you know, thought, you know, coming out of, of college, you know, he was viewed as this boomer bust prospect uh, because he had all these physical tools, but he was kind of wildly inaccurate in college and kind of all over the place, came from a small program. But to me, I think now after seeing him play for two years and, and seeing, you know, some of the stuff you're talking about, you know, manifest itself in an NFL locker room because, uh, you know, you can you can hear those those stories and have an inkling that a guy is different, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it's different, um, you know, in Fireball, California at a tiny high school than it is, you know, with a bunch of grown men in an NFL locker room. But he has a way of getting people to follow him. And I know there were scouts coming out that did not think that about him, that that thought he was just not the type of guy that would take command of a locker room. And, you know, you might say, you know, Bill's players don't have a choice. This is a guy they've been, you know, given to to be their quarterback and they're going to follow who they follow. But guys really like playing for him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that, you know, is – is a good trait to have because I don't, I I think guys make up their opinion on a, on, you know, a quarterback pretty quick in a locker room about whether it's a guy they want to follow or not. And, um, that first impression can stick and, you know, that hurtling Anthony Barr in his rookie season against the Vikings and the hits that he takes. I mean, he is, you know, willing to just get absolutely crushed probably more so than he should be. Um, and, and fight through pain and you know there was the the quarterback sneak against the cowboys there's all these small moments that where you say yeah this is a guy people are going to want to follow this is a guy that certainly has all the leadership and intangible qualities that you want uh in a quarterback that's going to be the face of the franchise but you know on the other side of it he's left a lot to be desired as a passer um you know he's still not very accurate but what they've done, and this is where I think, you know, it goes back to your point about the Bills being in a different spot in their rebuild, is the Bills seem like they've been one or two steps ahead of the Jets in, you know, various aspects of building the roster. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm always, you know, paying attention to the rest of the division, reading all your stuff, and a lot of the stuff you were talking about this offseason was stuff we were talking about last offseason about the yeah. Bills, about you know, rebuilding the offensive line and, and finding more playmakers. And Brandon Bean, you know, was able to to be in that spot because of how he cleaned up the salary cap. And, you know, they kind of tore things down a little bit before they built them up. But they also didn't change head coaches. You know, they didn't change GMs. Um, they changed offensive coordinators after um, 2017, but they haven't changed offensive coordinators since Josh Allen got there. So, there's been one core group building in the same direction. And I think that's allowed the Bills to be a little bit ahead of the Jets in terms of building the roster. You know, you go out and get John Brown and Cole Beasley last offseason. You might not, you know, John Brown is a fine number one receiver, uh, I think. But recognizing, hey, there's an opportunity here to get a playmaker, which is probably the one thing missing from the offense. And, you know, you're in a different spot when you're picking in the twenties, trading your first round pick than if you're the jets, right? You know, it's a higher first round pick. And so trading for Stefan Diggs, what they've done in a lot of ways is removed the excuses for Josh Allen. They've removed variables. You know, they've got a top three at receiver 
that's about as good as anybody in the conference, I would say. They've got two young running backs, both drafted in the third round the last two years, that that should provide a a pretty good one-two punch. They're bringing back their entire offensive line while adding two or three more guys to the competition. So, you know, you've got the same play caller for the third year in a row. There's a lot of continuity, um, and now it's about, all right, does jo- if, is Josh Allen the same as he was last year? If he is, they probably still flirt with the playoffs. If he's better, they might win a playoff game. They might, you know, make a push. This is where, you know, you wonder which direction he's going to go in. And, you know, I bring up his floor because I, I don't really envision. I could see the Mitch Trubisky scenario where, gotcha. you know, he's. He doesn't quite live up to the hype, and they, they kind of you know hem and haw over whether to pick up the option after the season. But he brings so much to the table as a runner that I feel like that gives him a, a different floor than somebody like Trubisky or Blake Bortles, these quarterbacks in most recent memory that have gone the other way. He's got... He brings something to the table just by how he runs. Um, you yeah. know, outside of Lamar Jackson, no quarterback over the last couple of years has run for as many yards, and I believe he leads the league in quarterback rushing touchdowns the last couple yeah. of years. I mean, he's he's an asset on the ground, and he's not a complete non-factor as a passer. He just has um, some deficiencies that he's he's still ironing out that maybe Stephon Diggs can cover up. So it, it's what makes the comparing the jets and bills really interesting is that you you might say that and and maybe even we'll we'll probably never know but maybe even brandon bean would have picked sam darnold uh if given the opportunity um we don't know for sure i know he fell in love with what you were talking about about josh allen you know the all the stuff you know the mental makeup part of it they fell in head over heels and it's the reason they went Josh Allen instead of a Josh Rosen. And you start to see how... Dodge that bullet. <laughs> right. You know, a, a lot of teams did. Um, and there was probably a lot of us in the media, I know I thought highly of Josh Rosen um, because you don't really see that part all the time, right? You don't get as clear a picture as teams do about the the intangible part of it. And that's where, you know, the, the floor on Josh Rosen has proven to be very low because guys don't really like playing for him they don't really like you know he doesn't raise the level of his teammates because he doesn't bring that out in him the way ryan fitzpatrick does um so you know he has better arm talent by the way than like when you when you look at him josh rosen has better throwing the in terms of throw power pocket presence arm strength accuracy than sam darnold josh allen and lamar jackson i mean he had the better arm of all three of them coming out of that draft and you see the guy can't get on the field i mean his teammates just they, they don't like him he's just not a good he's not a nice guy i've had I remember hearing that pre-draft, and, and it was one person told it to me. Everyone else was like, no, he's a real deal. Look at his arm. He's so great. And one guy was like, yeah, you know, he's a really good quarterback, but he's kind of an asshole. I was like, how do you know that? He goes, well, I've re-, he goes, I've, it was an agent. He goes, I've repped like four or five of his teammates the last two years, and not one of them liked him. He goes, and they've all been offensive guys, and not one of them liked him. He goes, and if your college teammates don't like you – the odds of your NFL teammates liking you are pretty slim. He goes, he's someone I would stay away from. And he's the only person I heard told me that. Like, he'll still text me this day and be like, told you about Josh. Told you about Josh. Told you about Josh. And it's wild. It's wild to think about that. Yeah, it's so – I heard that coming out of Miami this year was like, 
because I was confused. It's like the season's, you know, going sideways. What's the point? You know, you traded yeah. for this guy. Why not give him a chance? And it was like the the line coming out of Miami was that we can't. Like you can't in in that stage, you know, of a rebuild where you're trying to really establish what you're going to be about, what your culture is going to be. Guys did not, would not play the same way, would not play as hard as they would for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's kind of an extreme case. I mean, he yeah. teammates freaking love that guy. But yeah. yeah, that was the thing about Josh Rosen. And it's funny, go, coming into that draft, um, you know, I thought Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson were like the two guys. Now, mm-hmm. one of those makes me look, somewhat smart one of them makes me look really stupid you know that's kind of the funny part about that that draft and quarterbacks in general is that so much depends on you know the fit with a a team and a system and a a willingness to in Lamar Jackson's case bend your offense and really your philosophy on football and and thinking about things to who you have under center and some of it also depends on who the guy is and and whether people are going to be able to rally around that guy. And I think Sam, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are two guys that, that teammates really like playing for and they're different personalities drastically. They get along well, I know, but um, in terms of how they, they kind of, you know, interact with the media and their teammates, they're a little bit different, but they're a classic example of, you know, different, situations uh you know altering the the path of of their progression i mean i think most people probably bills fans included and like i said maybe brandon bean will probably we may never know until he's retired somewhere and and willing to to speak on it but maybe they even liked sam darnold better he was a more polished prospect like you said more accurate um you know more accomplished at a bigger program didn't have the ceiling though Sam's thing was that Sam had a lower, had, Sam had a higher floor, lower ceiling. Right. Like I think that if if both of these guys reach their full potential, like if Josh Allen reaches the potential that he had coming out of the draft, and Sam Darnold reaches the potential he had coming out of the draft, I think Josh Allen could be the better player. I think Josh Allen will be the better player because Josh Allen has the stronger arm. Josh Allen is the more physical player. Josh Allen's the bigger guy. I mean, there's more physical gifts there with Josh than there was with Sam. And even when you talked about Sam coming out of the draft and you talk about Sam now, one of his best plays, and it's Dan Orlovsky is the one who coined it, who's kind of like become this unbelievable, like Dan Orlovsky, by the way, has become like this unbelievable quarterback breakdowner. Like like he's amazing at doing it. I love watching his videos. And the thing that he coined very early on is that Sam just has this magical sloppiness to him. And it's when everything goes to shit and everything breaks down, and the line doesn't block, and the receiver runs the wrong route, and your running back forgets he's supposed to block, and now he's trying to run, and he's going left when he's supposed to go right, and everything has just gone to shit. Sam is the type of player who will be like, okay, I'll make it work. Like He's like, okay, I'll make it work. There, there's a play, I think it was I think it was the opener last year, Matt, where it was it was the, the play. It ended up getting called back because Quincy Nunwa, I believe, was flagged for an offensive pass interference. But it was like Sam took the snap against the Bills, kind of went right, fell down, something happened with the play, and all of a sudden he just flipped it up and found, like, I think it was Ryan Griffin or someone open for a touchdown to the corner of the end zone. And, like, the challenge came out for offensive pass interference. It was uh, accepted and came back because it was supposed to be a run play, but the running back didn't know it was a run play. So Sam kind of ran around the outside, then looked up, found someone, and just flipped, flipped the ball to him for the score. Like, he has that kind of playmaking ability. And that's why when I, I talk about Darnold, 
and I, I analyzed Arnold, I say many of the same things that you just said about Josh. And and what I just kind of go to is that he he's clearly at a point right now where he is a second contract quarterback. He is not a bust. He is not Josh Rosen. He is not Mitch Trubisky, I don't believe. He is not these quarterbacks that you know very early on, okay, you know what, you need to let him go, then maybe he'll latch on with another team, and that other team will help him reach his potential. No, I, th- I think that Sam has shown that he can be a good quarterback. What I don't know is that is he franchise top tier, top 10, borderline all pro, pro bowl. I don't know if Sam Darnold's the type of quarterback that you that will win you games. I think you can I think if you give Sam a team like the Bills have given Josh Allen, you will have Sam Darnold doing the taking that team to the playoffs. Very similar to what Josh Allen did. If Sam Darnold was a part of that team and a part of that team now, Sam Darnold could get them to the playoffs. The Jets have not given him that team and and a lot of it was because for the first two years of Sam's career, that team was built by Mike McCagnan. And and Mike McCagnan did some things well. Mike McCagnan was a very nice guy. Mike McCagnan was not ready to be an NFL general manager when the Jets hired him. The only reason he got the general manager job was because he made a very good impression of Charlie Casserly, who hired him as a scout when he was like working in the CFL. And that's the only reason that Mike McCagnan got that job. There were 31 other teams. 31 other teams were not going to give Mike McCagnan a GM job, but because Woody Johnson, for whatever reason, decided to entrust the hiring of his next general manager and coach to Charlie Casserly, that's why Mike McCagnan got the general managing job, and he took over and, and was GM, and, and you know it didn't go well. I mean, his, his draft record was horrendous, which is why the Jets' roster position last year, this year, is basically in Joe Douglas's, their new GM's hands, to fix it. And that's why you haven't seen Sam, I think, take that next stretch. I mean, his offensive line has been absolutely putrid. It's why the Jets will likely start week one of this season with five completely new starters from where they were last year. It's why they still have not had a number one wide receiver since Brandon Marshall's swan song in 2015. It's why they're, they're like, I, like I said before, they're, they're a barren wasteland of legitimate game-changing playmakers aside from Jamal Adams. That's a fact. They just they don't have those players on the roster. And so you kind of have Sam's growth stunted by that. But in the face of not having any offensive line, in the face of not having a legitimate number one receiver, in the face of having Jeremy Bates as your offensive coordinator one year, followed by Adam Gase and his struggles this past year, he's still shown enough if you cover him every single day and see him in training camp and see him in practice and see him in games and watch really everything he does. I think he's still shown enough where you can say, okay, if we surround this guy with a very good team, very similar to what the Bills have done, like I said with Josh Allen, Sam Darnold can be a successful player in the NFL. What you don't know yet, though, is that you can take, say, Deshaun Watson. You can take Pat Mahomes is probably the very extreme example, so I'll throw, I'll take him out, right? Just take him out of it. You can take a, a healthy Carson Wentz. You can take a healthy Deshaun Watson. You can take those two guys and put them on just about any team, and they will win games with whatever they're surrounded with because I think those are the type of quarterbacks that when they're healthy, they win you football games. You win football games because those guys are on the roster. I don't know if Sam Darnold will win games when he has a good team around him 
or is he that next tier that you win games in the face of no what when he really fully develops you win games no matter what because he's your quarterback and this is the year this year three is where you should know at the end of it because the Jets offensive line isn't great but it's significantly better you can finally have a, a serviceable offensive line in front of him you've got some okay weapons I mean the receiver issue is a problem but Jamison Crowder is a very good slot Chris Herndon should be a great tight end. The offensive line, which is better, should make Le'Veon Bell finally return to to at least a a above average, very solid runner. Uh, I don't know if he'll be as good as he was in Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh's line was really good. But he'll be a pretty good player back again. And and I think this is the year where you can end and say, okay, do we have an All Pro next tier top ten quarterback on our hands in Sam Darnold, or do we just have a quarterback that we know we're going to give a second contract to a quarterback we know we can win with if we surround him with talent but we're going to have to surround this guy with talent you know what I mean and and there it's fine like there are a lot of quarterbacks like there are a lot of quarterbacks out there in the NFL that are like that and a lot of teams that have a lot of success like that but you just don't know yet going into this year and I guess it's similar to like you were talking about with Josh Allen the difference is that the team you have with Josh Allen and I think you put it perfectly is that the Bills have eliminated their variables. Like, the way that you coined that, I think, is totally perfect. The Jets, going into Sam Darnold's third year, still have so many variables that you can point to and say, like, nope, but could this be why Sam struggled? Nope, could this... Like, they have no number one receiver. Is that why Sam Darnold struggled? Adam Gase, is that why Sam Darnold struggled? Is it the fact he's in, he's just now getting comfortable in Gase's offense after working with Jer- Jeremy Bates? Is that why? Is Dowell Loggins why? Is Le'Veon Bell why? Is there an issue in the locker room that's that's fracturing the team? Is that why he's... There are a lot more variables with the Jets when you said with the Bills and, and Brandon Bean have done a phenomenal job with is that they've eliminated those variables for him. I think, I think that's the perfect way to coin it. If you're a local business in and around the Buffalo area, you could advertise right here on this podcast really one of the the best ways to promote your business is through a podcast our listeners are loyal and engaged just like you we've got you know the numbers that back up how many people from buffalo and in western new york uh, are listening to this show and we've got space right here for for you to advertise we we're interested in in having local businesses and and really having that that local feel uh, on the show uh, especially as uh, many businesses are, are navigating, um, you know, this this new world uh, th- that we seem to be living in, living in. So to advertise on this show, you just have to go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. So if you go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads, it'll, you know, ask you what, what show you're interested in and, and what your business is and, and where you are. And um, we can we could be reading your ad on this show um, before too long. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. And still in some ways, I feel like in a similar spot where this decision is coming up, right? The fifth year option, you know, you have to decide after next year. And I guess the other variable that's at play, um, you know, obviously is everything that's going on with the pandemic and what the season's going to look like. Are teams going to use that, you know, because you know how, these guys operate right they're gonna they've got a lot of confirmation bias when they're making decisions you know i often think that brandon bean or you know insert any gm who picked a quarterback is probably the worst guy to decide whether that quarterback deserves that second contract because if he gets it you know think of dave caldwell and blake bortles well if i give him this contract that means he's good right you know that means he um, it confirms that I made the right pick if he earned that second contract. Well, 
I feel like the Jets and Bills are in a similar spot trying to decide, you know, what type of quarterback, you know, do they have? Uh, it's like you're talking about. Is this is Josh Allen a quarterback who you, you know, unquestionably are a contender every year because he's your quarterback? Or do you need everything else around him? And, you know, you're almost better off being in, you know, the the Bears spot or, you know, knowing one way or the other, right? Knowing that this guy's not the guy, let's not drag our feet um, and, you know, go back to the well and find somebody else. Or you'd, you'd certainly rather be, you know, the Chiefs saying, all right, we got to back up the Brinks truck and, and pay this guy. Yeah. But to be in that in-between is a tricky spot. And I don't know that this, you know, we always seem to think, that, all right, we'll get the answer in year three, or we'll get the answer at X point. We'll know for sure with one way or the other. But there's also a lot of times where it's in between. Uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks where it's like, well, you could justify giving him the option. You could justify giving him a second contract, but you're almost certainly going to overpay quarterbacks. Yes. Um, you know, you're almost always overpaying for a quarterback, especially if he's not one that you can say for sure is that, you know, tier that you're talking about where you're winning games because he's your quarterback, not um, because of what's going on around him. So in that way, the Bills and Jets are, are in a similar spot. But, you know, the the Jets have more built-in excuses, right, for Sam yes. Darnold, where I feel like, to me, Josh Allen is going to be out of excuses. But yes. He's also, unless you include the pandemic as a potential excuse, the shortened off season. But to me, everybody's in the same boat on yeah. that. And um, I've I've just thought for a while that, uh, and and you probably have a, a similar um, sort of you know element in covering the Jets that the bar needs to be not where the Bills were. Uh, the bar doesn't need to be the Jets. Uh, the bar needs to be you know, being a good football team that wins playoff games, like the bar gets uh, moved around a lot, um, you know, with, with the bills because they've been so bad for so long. Uh, You know, people are ready to, to coin Sean McDermott as the savior and and ready to make Josh Allen, the franchise quarterback, just because they're better than what came before them when uh, it's been decades of, of futility here. And the Jets are similar in that way that they probably have higher expectations because of the market they play in. But, um, you know, there's it it can cloud your judgment a little bit if you're like, well, they haven't had a quarterback as good as Josh Allen since, you know, Drew Bledsoe. It's like, okay, well, let's retrace our steps. You're saying Josh Allen's better than E.J. Manuel, Trent Edwards, J.P. Lossman (laughs) and Tyrod Taylor. Okay, well, I'm not ready to necessarily give that guy, you know, something similar to the Pat Mahomes deal or give them, you know, Dak Prescott money or or whatever you want to, whatever number you want to throw at it. But sometimes you get, you know, forced into a corner and you, and you kind of have to. So um, they're both going to be in, in interesting spots. I I think the bills are like you said about Sam Darnold, Josh Allen is probably going to be a second contract quarterback for a lot of different reasons because of how he's played um, because the Bills are probably going to, they're not going to bottom out. They're not that type of team. Like The Jets are constructed to the point where I could see them bottoming out. I could see them having a really bad year and having to start over at head coach and, and different things. But 
I don't see the Bills completely bottoming out, which means you're probably going to have a case for continuity and continuing to string along the build and trying to, you know, justify keeping your quarterback or keeping the core together. But that that can be a dangerous place to be in, you know, all on its own. And I, I'm curious to see which direction these two teams head. And I think in the short term, the Bills are in a much better spot. Um, yeah. I think there's, but I think in the NFL, um, teams are never as far away as you think, right? Teams are, uh, the, the gap between a team that has a window and one that's still rebuilding can close really quickly. The Dolphins could catch both of these teams within yeah, a couple absolutely. of years if yep. Tua is the answer. Uh, the Jets could catch up in an off season if Sam Darnold shows a ton of progress and they surround him with some weapons. So uh, the Bills have to take advantage of this window, and if they're going to do it, Josh Allen has to take a step forward. I mean, everybody saw what he did uh, in the playoff game and in some big moments last year where um, he just ran real hot and cold. Uh, you know, he yeah. catches a touchdown one second and he's, you know, throwing an inexplicable lateral uh, the next uh, in overtime. Yeah. You know, it's he's like you said at, at the beginning, he is he's fun to watch he is a he's certainly fun to watch fun to cover um fun to talk about because he's not what everybody thought he was uh he's not you know exact he's not this guy that um is a complete lost cause at quarterback he's really a project that is sort of working out to this point and you know that ceiling is still there and they're still building towards something so it's going to be going to be interesting to see which which way these two quarterbacks go because they've been put in two completely different situations, one a lot better than the other, and I think that could ultimately end up, you know, permanently altering uh, the trajectory of of both of their careers. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's kind of fascinating to think about it short and long term because I mean I don't think that there's anybody who covers or even as it covers these teams that that would say that that any team right now is better than the bills are in the short term uh with the exception of those that are still you know well the patriots are the patriots so you're kind of going to go by bill belichick and get this together now they have cam newton they're fine in the short term too but if you take that that re- like really total wild card out of the factor and what the patriots will look like of the the jets dolphins and bills the teams that have kind of been rebuilding these last two three years I don't think anyone, even if even if even the most hardcore Jet fan, I don't think would would agree that the Jets are better short term right now than the Bills are. I mean, the Bills are a team that, that made the playoffs. The Bills are a team that is uh, fighting now for the divisional title. They've they've surrounded their young team with talent. But I think what's fascinating and it's going to be really fun to watch is this isn't like I think the Bills' window is small. I think their window is just opening. And for these other two teams, they're trying to get to the point where they open their window and. I think the Bills are, are without a doubt the best team short term. I think long term it kind of evens out between all three of these, and and it could be very. We could very well be looking at a situation here, man, where in two years you have this as a three potentially four team divisional race, where every single year you don't know who's going to win the division, and every team is fighting for one. And that's if Darnold pans out, and Tua pans out, and Josh Allen really takes the next step, and the Patriots eventually find their next franchise quarterback, whether it's you know re-signing Cam Newton or drafting someone this coming year, or maybe it's Stidham. 
Uh, but you could have a situation where you have all four teams fighting every single year for this divisional title. But, you know, short-term, it's the Bills. Because the short-term goal right now for the Jets is it's simple. It's it's not even make the playoffs. Like, the playoffs would be the cherry on top. They just want to play competitive football down the stretch. They have not done that, like I said, since 2015 with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall in that random year where, you know, the Bills knocked them out of the playoffs and they were right there on the doorstep week 17. That was probably the highest moment of Rex Ryan's life was being able to knock the Jets out of the playoffs when uh, Darrell Rivas has since come out and said that the Jets went in there thinking wholeheartedly that they had the game won because the Bills were all banged up and such. So I think that for the Jets, this entire season is just about starting the season relatively strong, maintaining a competent, good level of football the entire year, and putting yourself in a position where the last one, two weeks of the season, you have a chance to make the playoffs. And then if you get in, that's great. You're not a championship contender. This roster is not ready to make a championship run. But if you can play meaningful football right down the stretch, potentially get a playoff run, that get a playoff run and potentially make the playoffs, next year is the year for the Jets where you can say, okay, now Joe Douglas is going to have a second full off season. He has salary cap space again. He has financial flexibility to add more salary cap space. He's got more draft picks again. He could potentially trade Jamal Adams for another first round pick, something like that. I think that that the next year is the year where this will all get so much more fascinating. I think next year is the year where the Bill. I think that this is really a two team race for the AFC East right now. It is between the Bills and it's between the Patriots and. I think that next year, 2021, that's when you could potentially have this situation being a the Jets are now in the mix, the Bills are in the mix, the Patriots could still be in the mix, and then depending on Tua's progression, the Dolphins could be in the mix. Because the Dolphins this year, I thought, did a hell of a job of surrounding him with talent and really starting to rebuild that roster. I think Brian Flores is a hell of a coach. I mean, that team had every reason to cash it in, and they played tough for him all the way down the stretch. So uh, I think next year is the year where the AFC is going to be really fascinating. But short term, there's there's no doubt in my mind that it's the it's the Bills who are the, the best team right now in the short term. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you look at the important spots when you think about short and long term. You look at quarterback and head coach, and you would say, you know, long term, the Jets probably have a, a pretty good quarterback. Um, you wonder if they're going to have to change head coaches again. The Dolphins are in the very early stages of both of those spots, but looks promising. The Bills have probably, you know, have one of those combinations where I think there's questions about both their coach and their quarterback, but there's, you know, more positives than negatives at the moment uh, about both of those guys. And the Patriots, you know, have a a big question mark at quarterback, just not knowing what it's going to look like, but have the greatest coach of all time. So, It does make for a fascinating short and long-term outlook uh, in the division. And I'm sure Bills fans listening to you speak so highly of the Bills uh, and and also note that their window could be brief um, makes them even more anxious about, you know, the upcoming season and all the question marks surrounding that, right? Like this could be the year for the Bills. They've got all these national TV games but fans aren't going to be in the seats and who knows if the season has to start and stop or if it gets interrupted or if it starts at all. Um, Yeah. And then what happens, you know, then the window is maybe shot because the jets get a second off season without having to play any games. So um, all of it, all of it is fascinating. All of it. It's nice to to spend some time talking about football and, and what it could look like. And it, it makes me, cross my fingers that that things will go off on time that that will you know we'll be able to actually 
talk about this stuff and not wonder, um, you know, in, in October uh, when they're going to play football again or something like that. So um, great, great chatting with you, Connor. It's been, yeah, it seems man. like a, a lifetime ago that we saw each other at the combine. Like it was a, yeah, right. We lived in a different world then. Um, yes, that we did. Which seems that like did, I've man. thought a lot about that's probably the worst possible place to be during a pandemic would be the combine you're basically inside uh, for five straight days uh in bars in convention halls uh crowded thousands of people walking around all the time traveling from all over the country uh in retrospect not the best place to be no and in and the combine and in indianapolis kind of sucks anyway so that's just that just adds to it <laughs> yeah it's, that's, just, uh, that's just that's just the cherry on top is a pandemic in the middle of it all yeah it was um it, it although if i could go back in time to the 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 combine i, I probably would um you know before oh, all it's this, so valuable uh, it was uh, oh yes it was it seems like the last time that that life was was normal, normal. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, but it's been a while but great chatting with you great uh great conversation here about about the jets and bills and and where they're at uh if you don't you can you can subscribe to the can't wait podcast wherever you find your podcast they even they do a little youtube show um now and again to 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 watch it there if you want to keep track of the jets and where they're at you can subscribe to our podcast the buffalo beat uh, wherever you find your podcast including on the athletic podcast network rate subscribe all that good stuff uh connor thanks thanks for doing this um I, i appreciate it and it was good chatting with you yeah no problem man this was a lot of fun we'll have to do it again during the season absolutely 